Section 12 of The Doctor's Christmas Eve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Doctor's Christmas Eve by James Lane Allen. Section 12 the realm of midnight a quarter of a century ago or more the german christmas tree the diffusion of which throughout the world was begun soon after the close of the napoleonic wars had not made its way into general use throughout the rural districts of central kentucky the older dutch and english festivals which had blent their features into the american holiday was the current form celebrated in bluegrass homes the german forest idea had been adopted in the towns for churches and other public festivities and in private houses also that were in the van of the world movement but out in the country the evergreen had not yet enriched the great winter drama of nature with its fresh note of the immortal drawn from a dead world the evergreen was to eyes there the evergreen still as the primrose to other eyes had been the primrose and nothing more thus there was no christmas tree and christmas eve brought no joy to children except that of waiting for christmas morning not until they went to sleep or feigned slumber not until fires died down in chimney corners where socks and stockings hung from a mantelpiece or from the backs of maternal and paternal chairs not till then did the sleigh of the white world draw near across the landscape of darkness out of its realm of silence and snow it was suddenly there outside the house laden with gifts drawn by tireless reindeer and driven by its indefatigable forest god he was no longer young the driver as was shown in his case quite as it is shown in the case of commoner men by his white beard and round ruddy middle-aged face but his twinkling eyes and fresh good humor showed that the core of him was still boyish and apparently the one great lesson he had learned from half a lifetime was that the best service he could render the whole world consisted in giving it one night of innocent happiness and kindness not until well on toward midnight was he there at the house without sound or signal the sleigh perhaps halted at the front gate or drawn up behind aged cedar trees in the yard or for all that any one knew to the contrary resting lightly on the roof of the house itself or remaining poised up in the air at least on the roof he was he peeked down the chimney to see whether the fire were out and he never by any mistake went to the wrong chimney then he scrambled hurriedly down if any children were in bed in the room he tickled the soles of their feet to prove if they were asleep then crammed socks and stockings dispersed other gifts around on the tops of furniture left his smile on everything to last a year the smile of old forgiveness and of new affection and was up the chimney again back in the sleigh gone gone to the next house then to the next and on from house to house over the neighborhood over the nation over the world the first to operate without accidental breakdown the heavier-than-air machine unless it were possibly a remote american kinswoman of his the new england witch on her broomstick aeroplane 
which however she was never able to travel on outside new england in this belting of the globe with a sleigh in a single night he must often have come to rivers and mountain ranges where passage was impossible and then it is certain that the sleigh was driven up to the roadway of the clouds and travelled across the lonely stretches of the snow before it fell why should he come near midnight whoever asked such a question has not that hour always been the natural locality and resort for the supernatural what things merry or sorry could ever have come to pass but for the stroke of midnight how could shakespeare have written certain dramas without the mere aid of twelve o'clock what considerable part of english literature would drop out of existence but for the fact that big ben struck twelve the children stood at the head of the stairs and the great night which was to climb so high began for them low down with the furniture standing there they listened for the sound of any movement in the house there was none and they began to descend stairways and homesteads built as solid as that did not give away with any creaking of timbers under the pressure of feet and they were thickly carpeted halfway down the children leaned over the banisters and listened again here at the turning of the stairway directly below there lived in his pointed weather house the old time sentinel of the family who with his one remaining arm saluted evermore backward and forward in front of his stiff form and at every swing of this limb you could hear his muscle crack and his ancient shoulder joint a metallic salute which the children had been accustomed to all their lives was one of the only two sounds that now reached them the other sound came from near him sitting on the hall carpet in a square rug of tin especially provided for her was the winter companion of the timepiece a large round mica-plated anthracite stove middle-aged designing and corpulent this seeming stove whose puffed flushed cheeks now reflected an unusual excitement gave out little comfortable wooing sounds all confidential and travelling in a soft volley toward the sentinel backed gaunt and taciturn against the wall the children of the house had long ago named this pair the cornered soldier in the marrying stove and they explained the positions of the two as indicating that the stove had backed the veteran into the corner and had sat largely down before him with the determination to remain there until she had warmed him up to the proper response the veteran however devoted his existence to moving his arm back and forth to ward off her infatuation and meanwhile he persisted in muttering in his loudest possible monotone go away keep off go away keep off go away keep off there were seasons of course when the stove became less ardent for even with the fibre of iron such pursuits must relax sometimes but the veteran never permitted his arm to stop waving trusting her least when she was cold rightly enough at the foot of the stairway they encountered a pair of objects that were genuinely alive two aged setters with gentle eyes and gentle ears and gentle dispositions rose from where they lay near the stove came around and putting their feet on the lowest step stretched themselves backward with a low bow and then leaning forward with softly wagging tails they pushed their noses against the two children of the house inquiring why they were out of bed at that unheard-of hour they offered their services but being shoved aside they returned to their places and threw themselves down again 
not curled inward with chilliness, but flat on the side with noses pointed outward. They were not wholly reassured, and the ear of one was thrown half back, leaving the auditory channel uncurtained. They had no fear, but they felt solicitude. The children made their way on tiptoe along the hall toward the door of the library. Having paused there and listened, they entered and groped their way to the far end, where the doors connected this room with the parlor. As they strained their ears against these barriers, low sounds reached them from the other side. Smothered laughter, the noise of things being taken out of papers, the sound of feet moving on a stepladder, the sagging of a laden bough as it touched other laden boughs. Through the keyhole there streamed into the darkness of the library a little shaft of light. They are in there. There is a light in the room. They're hanging the presents on. We've caught them. The leader of the group was about to insert the key, when suddenly, upon the intense stillness, there broke a sound. And following upon that sound, what a chorus of noises! For at that moment, the old house sentinel struck twelve, the Christmas night twelve. The children had never heard such startling strokes, for the natural reason never before had they been awake and alone at that hour as those twelve loud clear chimes rang out the two other guardians of the house drowsing by the clock apprehensive after all regarding the children straying about in the darkness these expressed their uneasiness by a few low gruff barks and one followed with a long questioning howl a real christmas ululation then out in the hen-house a superannuated rooster drew his long-barreled single-shooter out of its feather and leather case, cocked it, and fired a volley point-blank at the rafters. The sound seemed made up of drowsiness, a sore throat, general gallantry, and a notice that he kept an eye on the sun, even when he had no idea where it was. The early Christmas clarion. Further away in the barn, a motherly cow kept awake by the swayings and totterings of an infant calf apparently intoxicated on new milk stood up on her hind feet and then on her forefeet and mooed quite a christmas moo in a nearby stall an aged horse who now seemed to recognize what was expected of him on the occasion struggled to his forefeet and then to his hind feet and squaring himself nickered his best christmas nicker under some straw in a shed, a litter of pigs, disposed with heads and tails as is the packing of sardines, except that for the sardines the oil is poured on the general outside. But for the pigs, it still remained on the individual inside. These pigs slept on, the proper Christmas indifference. For there had never been any holy art for them, nor miracles of their manger. They had merely been good enough to be eaten, never good enough to be painted. They slept on while they could, mindful of the peril of ancestral boar's head, and of the modern peril of brains for breakfast and sausage for supper. Then on the hearthstone of the library itself, not far from where the children were huddled, the American mouse, which is always found there on Christmas Eve, this mouse, coming out and seeing the children, shrieked and scampered, a fine Christmas shriek, whereat on the opposite side of the hearth a cricket stopped chirping and dodged over the edge of the brick a clever christmas dodge all these leaving what a stillness 
as noiselessly as possible the key was now inserted the lock turned and the door thrown quickly open and there on the threshold of the forbidden room the children gasped baffled gazing into total darkness the coals of mystery forever glow even under the ashes in the human soul and these coals now sent up in faint wavering flashes of a burnt-out faith they were like the strange delicate wavering northern lights above a frozen horizon after all in the darkness amid the hush of the house at the hour of midnight with the perfume of wonderful things wafted thickly to their senses after all was there not some truth in the legend then out of that perfumed darkness a voice sounded come in if you wish to come in and the voice was wonderful big deep merry kind as though it had but one meaning the love of the earth's children it betokened almighty justice and impartiality to children and it betrayed no surprise or resentment at being intruded upon after a while it invited more persuasively come in if you wish to come in and this time it seemed not so much to proceed from near the tree as to emanate from the tree itself to be the tree speaking the children of the house at once understood that the nature of their eruption had shifted their father in that disguised voice was issuing instructions that they were not to dare question the ancient christmas rites of the house nor attack his sacred office in them for this hour he was still to be the santa claus of childish faith since they did not believe they must make believe the scene had instantly been turned into a house miracle drama and they were as in a theatre and they were to witness a play and the voice did not hesitate an instant in its exaction of obedience but at once entered upon the role of a supernatural personage was i mistaken were not children heard whispering on the other side of a door and was not the door unlocked and thrown open they must be there if they are gone i am sorry if they are still there you children i'm glad to see you though of course i don't see you we're glad to see you though we don't see you you came just in time i was about going what delayed me but strange things have happened to-night as i drove up to this house suddenly the life seemed to go out of me it was never so before and as i stepped out of the sleigh i felt weary and old and the moment i left the reins on the dashboard my reindeer which were trembling with fright of a new kind fled with the sleigh and now i am left without knowing when and how i shall get away but on a night like this wonderful things happen and i may get some signal from them a frightened horse will run away from its dismounted master and then come back to him and they may come for me i may get a signal i shall wait but as i said i feel strangely lifeless and i think i shall sit down will you sit down please where you are since you cannot see any chairs he said with the sweetest gaiety in the darkness there were the sounds of laughing delighted children grouping themselves on the floor now said the voice i think i'll come around to your side of the tree so that there'll be nothing between us he was coming coming as the white-haired winter god forest spirit of the earth's children they heard him advance around from behind the tree moving to the right and one of them who possessed the most sensitive hearing felt sure 
that another personage advanced more softly around from behind the tree on the left side however this may be all heard him sit down heard the boughs rustle about him as he worked his thick jolly figure back under them until they must have hung about his neck and down over his eyes then he laughed out as though he had taken his seat on his true forest throne when i am at home in my own country he said i am accustomed to sleep with my back against an evergreen i believe in your lands you prefer pine furniture i like the whole tree a tender voice put forth an unexpected question are you sure that there is not someone with you is not that a strange question ah yes but in the old story when st nicholas arrived an angel came with him are you right sure there's not an angel in the room with you now i certainly see no angel though i think i hear the voice of one do you see any angel with my mind's eye that must be the very best eye with which to see an angel but if there were a light in the room pardon me if there were a light i might not be here myself if you changed the world at all you would change it altogether a bolder voice broke in you're a very mysterious person are you not not more mysterious than you i should say is there anything more mysterious than one of you children oh but that's a different kind of mysterious we don't pretend to be mysterious you do oh do i you seem to know more about me than i know about myself when you have lived longer you may not feel so certain about understanding other people but then i'm not people he added joyously and they heard him push his way further back under the boughs of the tree withdrawing more deeply into its mystery now then while i wait what shall we do end of section twelve recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida